Welcome to The Tech Between Us, a podcast that takes a look at the past, present, and future of some of today's most influential technologies. Hi, I'm Raymond Yen, your host and director of technical content at Mauser Electronics, a leading global distributor of semiconductors and electronic components. Today, we're talking about immersive technology, most commonly thought of as virtual reality, but as we'll discuss later, the vision aspect is only one part of the entire immersive experience. As a huge fan of science fiction, immersive technology has always been a fascination. From the holodecks in Star Trek, to the Matrix, and more recently Ready Player One, immersive technologies have allowed us to take the plunge into virtual worlds, interact with a variety of characters, and use interactive and virtual tools to help us solve problems. As a gamer, Ready Player One really hit home with me when it came out in 2018. Most of the technology shown in the movie readily available now, though with a hefty price tag, but the type of content shown and the types of interactions available are natural extensions of current MMORPGs and virtual worlds like Sims 4. VR hardware has come a long way since the disastrous Virtual Boy of 1995, with a market size just under $5 billion in 2021. But with roughly 55% of sales in the consumer space, it's clear that immersive tech is still primarily associated with gaming and entertainment applications, with a fragmented application base outside of it, which begs the question, is immersive a technology in search of an application or just a killer app? To help me answer that question, I have with me today Mark Sage, the Executive Director of the Augmented Reality for Enterprise Alliance, or ARIA. Mark, welcome to The Tech Between Us. Thanks, Raymond. It's really exciting, and I'm honored to be here. Thank you. We sure do appreciate your time. Can you talk for a moment about your background and the work of ARIA? Um, kind of, you know, what, what do you guys do um, and, and what your focus is? Yeah, certainly. So I've been involved in being the executive director of the area for nearly six years now, in the next month or so. Um, the area, as you mentioned, has a pinpoint focus on augmented reality in the enterprise space. And if you see a lot of the analysts and the, the speakers at the moment about augmented reality is focused on the enterprise space. But of course, there's lots of technologies that are talked around in, in this kind of immersive space is the kind of generic term we, we give it. So mm -hmm. augmented reality is about putting digital content on top of the real world. Um, and there's a few examples. The one example everyone mentions is Pokemon Go, you know, which was a bit <laughs> crazed not that long ago. Um, <laughs> Played it myself. Absolutely. And, and a lot of people did. And then, you know, probably what you hear more about at the moment is virtual reality, when you're actually mm -hmm. completely in that virtual world, and certainly from a gaming and an experience perspective. And then there's kind of other terms that uh, banded around a lot, you know, hear about XR and MR. Uh, Raymond, I'm kind of a, a very simple guy, really. And in me, in myself, you're either in uh, an immersive, completely virtual world, sorry, in a virtual world, or you're in the real world and putting that digital content on top of you. Okay, so kind of I just make it really simple. There's these terms that overlap all of it, but really you're either in the virtual world, the augmented world, or the real world. Um, and what we've been doing in the area is bringing kind of different parts of the ecosystem together to really help overcome some of the barriers to adoption of using this technology in an enterprise space. So we have a combination of the, the companies that are deploying it um, and big names like Boeing, uh, Medtronic, Welsh Water. There's a whole bunch of companies that are actually deploying AR now. And then a bigger group of the providers, and I'm sure we get into a bit more detail about what they are, but I break that down simply between hardware and software. 
And then the third group, we have a number of kind of non-commercial organizations that are helping the ecosystem. So universities, research institutes, um, government agencies, and standards organizations as well. The organization covers the entire ecosystem of hardware, software, academia, um, and, and just kind of puts everybody together to have that common conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, VR, which is a, a great technology, but you can do it almost on a one-to-one basis. You kind of just put your headset on, you're in a virtual world. Right. With augmented reality, whilst a lot of it's still one-to-one, you are putting these new devices into the kind of work environment. Uh, you know, it's not a training room or a separate room. You're actually on the shop floor or on the manufacturing floor. So, yeah, there's concerns and challenges to overcome there. And I'm sure we'll cover some of those a little bit later on. But bringing the ecosystem together to kind of learn from each other, to develop that best best practice, you know, and, and really build those partnerships that help everybody succeed is really important. So, you know, up until now, really... Um you know, it, it, you know, especially VR, but uh, and we mentioned Pokemon Go. It's you know the, the these technologies have pretty much been associated with gaming and entertainment, um, and it's it, it really sounds like that uh, that you know through you know some of the the work that you guys are doing that re- really enterprise is starting to take a serious look and, and make some serious investments towards um, you know whether we want to call it AR, MR, or XR. At the moment. Yeah, and I agree. And actually, I spent my kind of previous working career in the mobile space, which was completely the flip of that. It started as a consumer product. Mm-hmm. You know, if you remember the kind of first smartphones, the, the Apples and the, the Android devices. And then after a while, enterprises started to say, hey, this is a great tool. This is a great platform. We can use it in the working environment. Interestingly, in the kind of XR space or the AR and VR space, it's flipped that and it's kind of started. You see a lot more kind of growth and strength in the enterprise part. So that, that's been kind of interesting. I think, um, you know, if we just kind of focus down on VR, what's mm-hmm. been happening is companies can quite easily pick up, you know, a VR a package, you know, the hardware and software. And what we've seen at the moment is they've been able to use it. It's a great tool for training. You know, it'd be able to take this VR into their kind of environment, do things that they potentially couldn't do before, or train people rather than taking them out to these environments. You know, if you think about, uh, just think about some like wind turbines or even offshore kind of rigs, you know, mm-hmm. how do you get people? It's a costly, you know, not only is it costly from a financial perspective, but kind of CO2 and time and everything. So, you know, using VR to be able to show them these kind of things that get them almost hands on, be it in a virtual world, you know, it's made some real differences. I think it's been really interesting, especially COVID with the COVID pandemic as well. Right. Being able to use this as a kind of a tool to get people to experience what it's like in the real world has been fantastic. Many of your members are, you know, some of these top tier manufacturing companies. You mentioned Boeing. I also saw Lenovo um, as one of your members. You know, um, you know, from a manufacturing and an AR perspective, you know, how are some of these companies using, you know, you know, these some of these immersive technologies um, in their in their operation? If I perhaps focus on the AR part, so putting digital content on top of the real world, uh-huh. the kind of last couple of years. Uh, I mentioned before about the current COVID pandemic has seen a real explosion of one kind of key use case, what we call remote assistance. So again, if we kind of imagine a manufacturing line, um, 
you know, in COVID, limited people were allowed into that um, factory. So if something, or into that manufacturing plant, if something goes wrong, uh, you know, there aren't the people there to be able to fix it. And, right. and not only is it lack of people, but it's lack of kind of knowledge and skills. So remote assistance, a real simple use case. You're able to go to where the problem is and either using a tablet or a mobile phone or a wearable device, you're able to connect with an expert anywhere in the world and you know be able to show them what you're actually seeing. But that expert then can put digital content on your overlay, so you're actually seeing it, to tell you what to do, you know, to be able to turn a bolt or lift this or whatever the kind of what needs to be done. So adding this visual kind of content and being able to speak to that expert and the expert being able to say, yes, you've done that or no, you need to twist it a bit more or stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you know, really allowed companies to save considerable amount if you think of kind of the roi on that basically you don't have to have somebody traveling to come and fix it you know your uptime increases because you can fix it so much quicker you know and and what you're also doing and these are kind of some of the intangible things you're upskilling those workers as well because they right, begin exactly. to see it. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, that that could be used for mentoring and training. I mean, kind of like we've been talking about, but in a, in a different way rather than, you know, in, in a, you know, in a direct, you know, kind of in your, in that person's ear sort of way. Yeah. And I guess that's another kind of problem. If we go on perhaps to another use case, which is really a little bit of a follow-on from remote assistance and I call mm-hmm. it guidance so doing a step-by-step guidance you know previously people on a manufacturing um, line you know a young person would start or, or any person would start and they would sit on the shoulder of somebody looking at what they do right okay so again covid has caused problems with that you can't stand that close but also you know you you're looking and you're not actually working it you're not feeling it you're not doing it you haven't got that kind of tactile feedback um and I think also what happens is when that person goes away, you have to have that memory um, to, to, again, to m- memorize what they've done and redo uh-huh. it, you know, and you're not actually doing it to create muscle memory. So kind of guidance is a great way. And I think it starts when I've seen the best experiences of this is they've taken the real experts and kind of recorded what they've actually done. And if you start to do that over multiple people, you can get together the best way of doing it because you look at the efficiencies of multiple people doing it. Mm-hmm. You've then created the most effective way of doing a step-by-step guide, and it could be anything. You know, we'll just take an example, and this is uh, not a great example, to be honest, of um, how you would use AR, but let's say putting on a, a tire onto a car. Um, and what it would do is that the uh, either, again, tablet or preferably with a wearable because it keeps you hands-free. Right. It will actually show you what to do. It very clearly says, right, you need to do this, you need to turn this or twist this or whatever the kind of use case is. So it, it sounds like remote assistance, but this is for people that are doing a kind of a task within that either manufacturing or maintenance or whatever the kind of use case is. So, and again, what, what really the sweet spot, I think, for AR when it comes to these kind of things is about that um, infrequent complex task you know you wouldn't really want to do it with a car tire because you're probably putting tens hundreds if not thousands of car tires onto cars and we we know kind of robots do that but if you think of those tasks which are really kind of complex and you may do it yeah 
Once in the Blue Moon, I can give you a good example. One of our members build those big aircraft carriers that you kind of see on Top Gun. You know, not the actual planes themselves, but where the planes land. Now, it takes them seven to eight, up to nine years to build one of those. Right. So some of those tasks aren't done that often. You know, so whilst you have a number of kind of veterans who have been on the um, the yard for a long period of time, you know, when when they when they leave and retire, that knowledge goes with them. So having this kind of guidance tool that you can bring new people on, can upskill really quick, you know, and, and they don't have to do it that frequently because they get shown how to do it. Right, yeah. I mean, you, you have your knowledge base in an interactive um you know, environment that's, you know, that's a, that's immediately available to whatever user at whatever skill level they're at. Yeah. And, and you touch on a really interesting point, Raymond, as well, because, you know, within AI, you're also then be able to focus on the skills that that person has and mm-hmm. upskill them, you know, so you kind of almost uh, segment or categorize um, workers, but you very quickly by using AI, you can upskill them to do other tasks. I, I always think of, um, you know, just recently, my washing machine broke down. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a big kind of issue. Two days later, would you believe it? My dishwasher broke down. So now <laughs> oh, I can't no. wash my clothes. I can't wash my pots and pans. So a person came out to fix it. Now, using AR, that person would could be or should be able to fix both of them mm-hmm. almost straight away because we're using that guidance or if the guidance doesn't work, the remote assistance use case. Mm-hmm. So kind of a great way of being able to you know, cut down the time it takes. And as I mentioned, that person only travels once. And all of these kind of savings really allow you know, companies to go back to being effective is kind of building stuff and you know, making sure that they're completed on time. Right. I mean, yeah. Let the uh, let the companies. I mean, design the product and 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 use this sort of this knowledge base. The you know, and through an art, not excuse me, an augmented reality to actually do the maintenance and the upkeep of it. Yeah, and and you touch on another really interesting use case, which I haven't seen yet, but I'm sure it's going to happen. It's kind of almost like a cradle to grave process where you would come up. Let's say it's a new. We'll call it a widget. So it's a complicated widget. You've used VR to design it. And I'll talk a little bit maybe about collaboration using okay. XR in a minute. But you sort of, you've worked together with anybody around the world to collaborate and design this new widget mm-hmm. and you're using VR to do it. You've now created almost a kind of digital footprint or a, you know, a digital twin or a digital um, r- roadmap of that widget. Perfect. Sure. So you now right. go and get those. Yeah. So and and, it, and it's great because you have that kind of content. Now you go away and physically get the parts to be built, but of course they probably need to be put together on mm-hmm. situ in, in where they are. So now using that same kind of content to now go into your AR world. So you're still seeing the actual physical pieces, but you use an AR to show you how to do it. You know, putting the guidance of saying, well, we need to plug this in and do it. Now you've built this kind of widget. And again, you can think of it as a whole manufacturing line. You've used VR to design. You've used AR to build. And as you mentioned before, Raymond, you can now use AR to maintain. And the last step, if it needs to happen, is you can use AR to kind of break it down or... uh, decompose it and things like that so right you know i decommission it i should be saying that's the word i'm i'm grasping for (laughs) so you've actually got this kind of xr life cycle that's allowing the same content 
to be used, whereas before that could be potentially a whole bunch of CAD models that are in 2D that have to be interpreted. It goes off to the people to build it. They may not interpret it correct. So again, it's in 2D. It comes back. you then got to remember how to stick it all together. You, know, you can see very quickly how the future using XR and these different technologies within XR can make these kind of processes so much quicker and effective. Infotainment is at the heart of any journey, delivering all the relevant information essential for the road ahead and providing intuitive visual, auditory, and tactile interfaces to the vehicle subsystems. Microchip's wide variety of automotive solutions, including connectivity, interface, touch, and more, give you the flexibility to design your system any way you imagine. To learn more, visit mauser.com slash microchip. Now, I mean, as far as the hardware goes, um, you know, where do you, where do you see that going? I mean, I, I know, you know, VR, I mean, I mean, I mean, I have an Oculus. It's this big bulky thing that sits on, you know, that covers half your face and, you know, sits on top of your head and, you know, and it's pretty heavy. And, um, you know, I've seen some AR glasses that are, that are akin to, you know, the, the Google glass and, um, and just, you know, like a pair of light ski goggles, um, you know, where where do you see it all going? I mean, are, are we will we end up wearing contact lenses um, that uh, that give us information and leave leave everything free and open? That's already interestingly been worked on, and you can see some demos of that. So yeah, I think you know the ultimate aim will be to have something that's so lightweight and you don't know it's actually there. Right. Uh, I think we're probably away from that at the moment, Raymond. But you know how quickly technologies and, and you've done many a kind of a podcast on the technology it moves so quickly so you know I, I can see a day I think at the moment um, if we just focus on the wearable devices we can actually categorize in the AR space two different types of kind of solutions or two different types of devices we have the assisted reality device so this is kind of really like a tablet but on your head so it will do okay. the kind of features that a tablet can do now. So you can look at PDFs, you can do videos, you can do some simple, simple kind of step-by-step -step guides. But it's very much in the kind of a 2D environment, and you're probably using it in a monocular way, so just using one eye. You know, there's a number of devices where you can have, a, you know, on the side of your face, it comes down, you can look at it, you know, either control it with voice or other ways, you know, touch control. Right. But you're basically using it for when you use it, you can pop it back and you carry on with your work. So that's what, what we've called in the industry assisted reality, and there are a number of devices and solutions for that. But then you look at some of the other devices, and I'm, I'm talking about the Microsoft HoloLens and the Magic Leap and Vuzix mm -hmm. and Third Eye, and there's a, there's a number out there that are using kind of or, or delivering augmented reality solutions. And that's really where you're taking that 3D content. You're physically able to walk around it, in it, over it, you know, however you kind of look at this content and it's delivering it in that 3D way. You know, you're able to, again, collaborate with other um, people in your team or anybody in the world to actually look at the same thing at the same time and mm -hmm. do that design. Hey, you know, we need that a little bit taller, bigger, smaller, whatever the design kind of process mm -hmm. is. Um, and that's where it's been really interesting. And I think where the, the future probably lies, whilst there's a, bun a whole bunch of use cases and problems that can be solved with assisted reality, and we continue to support that because I think it's really, really important. But the real kind of push in technology would be on that augmented side and you're kind of moving into holograms and holographic stuff where you actually don't even need to use wearable devices. You know, it will actually present it a bit like the kind of Star Trek hologram. There are companies already doing that. Um, 
Not quite on a commercial really? scale okay. yet, but yeah, you know, so the technology moves so quickly. You know, my my point is always going back to what I said before. It's about solving real business problems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for, for enterprises to pick this up, they really need to sh- see what the, the use case of what the problem's being solved. And that collaboration um, th- that you've mentioned, you know, I mean, especially now with, you know, in a, in a post-COVID world um, where you have design teams, you know, who don't need to meet or necessarily don't want to meet um, for one reason or another, or, you know, people working remotely, people, I mean, and we've always had people working, you know, different types of groups working in different areas, Um it sounds like, you know, through augmented reality, they can truly collaborate as opposed to just simply sending files or sending software back and forth. Oh, absolutely, Raymond. And, and there's a number of tools already on the on the market, both in VR and AR, okay? Because, again, you're kind of taking um, the digital content. That's what you're actually changing. You're not physically, you're not changing the physical kind of product. But, uh, yeah, you know, we see lots of great use cases, lots of great experiences. And I think what it also does... It allows you to collaborate with a whole probably ecosystem that you've never been able to do before. You literally can collaborate with experts in all sorts of different fields and you'll bring them together in this kind of virtual world. So, yeah, we actually, you know, in the next few weeks, I'm, I'm running um, a kind of a workshop in and demo presentations purely around that design collaboration uh, use case, uh, and it's going to be super exciting. Yeah, I mean, just just from my design background, I mean, I could see where we're used to collaborating, just saying, hey, you know, you know, um, write the code, send it to me, and I'll test it and get it back to you, as opposed to, you know, literally real-time collaboration, real-time updates, real-time, um, you know, design with you know, remote partners. Yeah, and and again, I'm I'm no designer, but from talking to the people in this space, you know, and especially in the kind of slightly more heavier manufacturing bits, they often have to have the kind of CAD expert in with them, and you say, okay, well, we need to kind of move this, or can you do this a little bit? And they do it in a sort of 2D way or flick around on their kind of computer to do it and say, is this what you want? And you go, well, possibly. (laughs) It's difficult to kind of visualize that in a 2D way. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of real benefits I can see from collaboration. And, And to be honest, a relatively easy use case to kind of bring together. You know, we've got team calls or calls that happen all the time now it's putting them into that immersive environment and there's many a company at the moment that's focusing on that so one of the the use cases that we're beginning to see develop at the moment is around inspection okay so when a uh, and i've been on manufacturing floors when uh, a task is done and especially in regulated um, industries you know task has been done it could be a maintenance task it could be a kind of a build task Mm-hmm. But because of the importance of it, someone comes and actually checks it, physically checks it. And, you know, I've seen this use case where they've, the person's completed the task, has literally a rubber stamp, and then someone will come and check it and have a rubber stamp. Signs off the work. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you can see when some industries, you know, you think of aircrafts and, and even automotive sure. as well, you know, we, we want that kind of 
due diligence and checking to be done. But of course, that takes time and, you know, you have to wait for the checker. And so there's, there's an inbuilt delay into getting that manufacturing kind of process done or whatever the task is done. So one of the kind of use cases we're beginning to see now is about inspection. So what the actual AR system does itself is make sure that that task is done completely. And in fact, so much so, it doesn't allow you to go to the next step until that it's signed off by that AR AR mm-hmm. system. So, okay, it's a kind of combination of measurement and kind of depth and you know, allowances that you can have around it, and each kind of task is slightly different. Right. But you can imagine the benefits you get from... Um, from an enterprise perspective, that they can have one person doing it. It's been signed off and checked. That information can also be easily stored and retrieved because now you've got like a digital footprint of it. And it's a little bit more Raymond than just taking a photo. You know, it's actually making sure that the whole task is completed within those tolerances, um, which is great. I, I don't think we're there yet, mm-hmm. okay? But it's something I can see in the in the immediate future, if there is yeah, <laughs> such a kind of term, but the next kind of uh, the next set of use cases that I can see coming into the market, and I think that will really again drive more ROI for the companies. Right. Yeah. It's all about economies of scale. Taking that same piece of software, that same you know platform, whatever. I think they you know these probably these things probably will be platforms eventually. Um, and using using it across multiple operations throughout the manufacturing process, um, you know, uh, all kinds of uh, all kinds of benefits come out from that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and and it's happening. I think at the moment it's a uh-huh. little bit more piecemeal. You know, people solve and they say, hey, well, we need remote assistance, so they're focusing on that. Some of the kind of more mature companies uh, that we see in the ecosystem are actually creating XR teams and bringing that kind of end-to-end strategy together. Okay. So it's a case about not just one thing, you know, how we could do multiple things, but more importantly, I think, is connecting into the core enterprise systems. You know, so if you create, you have a system that creates jobs that need to be done, well, Mm -hmm. the AR is actually connected into that. So, yes, it brings up the job, and that's kind of easy enough to do, but when it's completed or if there's any issues, that goes back into the PLM or whatever the kind of core systems they've been using to manage their business. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a real integrated part of the way that you do business rather than kind of standalone, which at the moment, I'll be honest, that's where the technology is. It's still kind of being developed. But the, as I said, the more mature companies are really bringing it in as part of their way of working. Right, just building it into their process. I mean, as a core competency, rather than um, something they just bolt on at the end. As a hey, this this should fix this. What it, what it does do, Raymond, coming to kind of another point, uh-huh. is about some of the potential challenges that companies are experiencing to kind of deploy this. Mm-hmm. And maybe I could just real quick kind of go through some of those. Absolutely, yeah. That, that was actually one of the things I was going to bring up is, is you know, I mean, we, we talk about some of these futures, you know, what, you know, what, uh, how, how far and what are some of the roadblocks do you see for some of these? Yeah, and, and they're all overcome, overcomable. That's actually a word, but... Yeah, um, it so, is now. It is now, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, and again, it, it, it differs slightly. So these are, you know, Different companies will have different challenges or the priority of them will be different. But, you know, one Mm -hmm. of the things we see is around security. So companies, especially if they have IP within their design, are suddenly now bringing this kind of 
camera, but all these depth sensors and this information into their environment and kind of scanning everything. Right. Okay. So, you know, what happens to that data? Can they make sure it's still secure and doesn't get out of that environment? I think, Raymond, and within the area, we've been having lots of conversations about the kind of scope of AR security, because some of that is just due to your normal IT security policies and things like right. that. But, you know, it, there is this added layer or added concern potentially with AR. So we we see some companies, as I said, especially ones that create IP through their design, you know, physical design bit have concerns. Um, another one is about safety. So the kind of safe use of AR Suddenly you have something mm -hmm. on your face that's kind of distracting you. If you're walking around, you know, you may not see trip hazards or you I don't know, walk into forklift troughs, sort of things like that. So there's some, right. again, some of the work we've been doing is just, you know, things like simple um, examples or use cases to say, well, if, if a person's walking too fast, you know, forward, mm -hmm. then take the display away. Okay, turn off the display. And then oh, they probably okay. realize that, hang on a sec, you know, I shouldn't really be focusing on this thing that's just in front of my eyes. I should be in, focusing on my environment. And, and right. kind of very, very similar to that is walking backwards. Yeah, you imagine if you're on a big, I don't know, an aircraft carrier or something with heights and you, you're focusing and you want to move back because you want to get a bigger space for your, you know, your AR bit to, to show you what's, what should be there. And, right. you know, you fall off the back. So, so kind of, you know, deploying AR safely. Um, you know, there's kind of a whole bunch of things about how long people should be wearing it and mm -hmm. bits and pieces. So kind of safety is another area. Um, one, it, it, it sounds like the um, we're going to see a lot of, you know, um, as AR becomes more prevalent, I, you know, a lot of government agencies are going to get, you know, government regulations and things like that are all going to start coming into play. And that started to happen. You know, you mentioned the, the stands part, the, the start, you know, and we're working with many of them. Um mm -hmm. You know, I think it's about making sure that they're relevant. Mm -hmm. You know, there's lots of standards that have been there for a long time and not actually thought about or kind of come up to date with what's actually happening in the, the current world. You know, so, so I think there's an element of that. There's an element of education that we need to do. But of course, we want to make sure that everybody's safe and secure. So, yes, there's work to be done in that space. Mm -hmm. Again, it depends on your use case and how you're actually using um, AR. I, d I think just another really interesting point, and this gets into slightly kind of almost out of the technology and into the human side, okay? Because we're asking these people to use this technology where, especially the kind of the veterans of their jobs are saying, well, hang on a sec, you know what? I can do my job. I'm really good at it. I've been doing it for a number of years. And now right. you're putting this kind of device in front of me. And, you know, are you checking out what I'm doing? And, you know, do I really need it? So... You know, there's very much a kind of a change management part that we need mm -hmm. to think about. You know, if you again, we talk about that VR part, you're probably doing training. You may not be trained in it, but in AR, you you could be on the actual manufacturing floor. You're doing a proper job. No, sorry, not a proper job, but you're doing a proper task when it's needed. Um, so I think there's kind of little subtleties like that that we've certainly been aware of in the area and speaking to some of our members that you really need to get involved, those workers and those people using AR from the very, very start. Listen to them. What problems do mm -hmm. they need solving? You know, how can you work with them? And, and just a little sn snippet, Raymond, if, if I um, can, just Newport New Shipbuilding have been using AR for a number of years. And this is going back to those aircraft carriers. So, okay. um, and they, 
they said, right, we want to implement this. It's basically a checking. So you, you look at what the work that's been done. Previously, they would have used paper and drawings to say, well, is mm-hmm. that correct? And stuff like that. It took them a long time to do it. Yeah, now they just use a tablet. They can overimpose or superimpose where things should have happened. And really quickly, they can see if it's correct or not. Right. So the actual use case is perfect, but then suddenly they've got these, as the as the person was telling the story, kind of twenty, thirty year old veterans who have been on the the shipyard, you know, for this period of time and have done an amazing job for them. How do you get them to use this technology? And they just did some simple, you know, uh, work where they actually got them involved at the very start and they picked mm-hmm. the gnarliest tech phobe, you know. Again, within the area, we've we've done a research project on that recently, okay. um, and there's a lot of excitement about the kind of different use cases and benefits it can bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess one of the analyses that come out of the the research is that we need as an ecosystem to work a bit closer. You know, the carriers and the the operators that are delivering five G probably need to get a bit closer to the companies that are delivering delivering AR solutions, so you can really. Like you said, that value add, that security, that speed, you know, right. and being able to do AR in places where you couldn't do AR before, you know, I don't know, in the bottom of a, a pit somewhere or in a, uh, you know, wherever it is where connectivity is not great, but you can con- create that kind of new network um, sort of side. So, yeah, we're kind of really excited. I think there's some work to be done and say we're kind of keen to connect the ecosystem. But that's one of the enabling technologies that will will drive greater usage and and probably awareness as well. So based on everything that we've talked about, Mark, there there really is life after gaming for VR, AR, or you know, and all all the different uh, realities out there. Absolutely, Raymond. I think uh, you know my encouragement out to the ecosystem is go and try this stuff. You know, there are lots of opportunities to download kind of applications and even from an enterprise perspective, go and do some simple stuff, you know, go and Mm -hmm. experience what AR can do. Uh, You know, it it will drive a whole bunch of new ideas that really excite you. And, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to when everybody starts to see XR or AR and VR being something which they use on on a regular and common basis. Right. Bringing it out of science fiction onto the factory floor. A perfect summary. So, Mark, I want to thank you again for spending time with us here on the Tech Between. It's been a fascinating discussion on uh, all the different realities. Thank you, Raymond. It's been a pleasure as well. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we just live in the real real world, but the, the whole virtual world's going to be such an exciting place to also hang out. So thank you for the time. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Tech Between Us. Remember, this podcast is just one part of our original and ongoing content series, Empowering Innovation Together. You can find videos, articles, and more on immersive technology at mauser.com slash empowering innovation. And don't forget to join us for our next episode when we talk designing for security.